if you want to become a digital nomad and you don't want to just get by and you want to know what the real number is that you need in order to live a sustainable life as a digital nomad, not just in a cheap place, but anywhere around the world, including more expensive places, the number to shoot for is... What's up you guys, Mikko Kraszowski here and welcome back to That Remote Life where we help you quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Now today on uh, in this video I will be talking about a topic that is I think really fun to discuss and one that's really important uh, to kind of think about and to understand which is how much does it cost to live as a digital nomad. Now, to be honest, uh, there's a bunch of videos about this on YouTube already, and there's lots of podcasts discussing this topic. Uh, however, what I've noticed is that a lot of times that conversation is based around how little money, like what is the minimum amount of money that you need in order to live as a digital nomad. And what I want to focus on more is what is the minimum amount of money that you need every month in order to live a sustainable digital nomad life. And what I mean by sustainable is that imagine that you're making 600 or a thousand bucks a month uh, and you've earned your digital nomad wings as I call them and you decide to move over to Thailand where you know you can kind of live the digital nomad dream. <clears throat> well the reason why that's not sustainable is that let's say uh, you wanted to go somewhere else, right? That's the whole idea of being a digital nomad is freedom. It's attaining uh, freedom without having uh, you know, the large amount of wealth that it normally takes for you to be truly free. And a part of freedom is going wherever you want to go and spending time wherever you want to spend it. Uh, so, like I said, imagine that you're making a thousand bucks a month and you're living in Thailand. You're originally from someplace in the West, like Germany, England, or the US, and you decide that you want to go back and visit your family. Well, that becomes really difficult. Uh, if you are only making a thousand bucks or 600 bucks or 800 bucks a month, uh, which is what a lot of people look at as sort of like the minimum amount of money that you need. If you were to go, you know, to the US, that a thousand dollars isn't going to get you very far. It's not very sustainable. It wouldn't be very comfortable. And so that's really the topic that I want to discuss is what is that minimum uh, viable income that the least amount of money that you need to be making every month in order to live as a digital nomad sustainably, to be able to really be free, go wherever you want to go and uh, travel, you know, don't, you know, not be staying in some uh, dumps and stuff like that, but actually have a nice quality of life that you're able to take anywhere. And so <clears throat> what I went ahead is I did some research and I kind of looked at my own life, life of some of my, my friends and, um, you know, kind of put together this budget, which we're going to cover. Um, as a quick you know, note, obviously this number is going to change based on wherever you are in the world. And in order for us to find one specific number, what I did was I picked a city to base these costs off of that I thought was very much sort of in the middle, right? So not a place that's super, super cheap, like a Thailand or a Vietnam, and not a place that's really expensive, like you know the US or uh, one of these more expensive countries. And the city that I picked to base these costs off of was actually Budapest in Hungary. Two reasons for that. 
Number one, I do think that the cost of living in Budapest is very much kind of in the middle, uh, even as Europe goes. You know, it's a very sort of in the middle uh, city in terms of costs. It's not a, a UK or a Germany, which is much more expensive, and it's not a country like uh, Bulgaria, for example, where it's much, much cheaper. It's sort of right there in the middle. Uh, the second reason why I chose Budapest is because it is a very popular digital nomad location. This isn't the type of city that you know, you're know you never going to travel to. If you do go to Europe uh, and you want to kind of explore some of the digital nomad locations in Europe, Budapest is probably going to be pretty high up on that list. It's a great city, absolutely beautiful. I've spent a lot of time there. Uh, and it's very likely that if you are a digital nomad and you want to be around other digital nomads and you're in Europe, you're likely going to stop by Budapest. So those are the two reasons why I picked Budapest as the city to kind of base this budget off of. All right, guys. Now with that, let's kind of jump into the different sections. I have some notes here uh, because there are a lot of numbers and stuff like that. So the very first category of expenses that you're going to need is obviously rent. This is, you know, the money that you are spending uh, on a place to live in. And I picked this number up. I did some research and, I, you know, there's a few different ways to get a place in Budapest. Um, there's really three main ones. The first one, Airbnb, simple. Everybody knows what Airbnb is and what the process of getting a place at, on Airbnb is like. The second way to get a place as a digital nomad is to actually sublet a... Uh, a place, an apartment from another digital nomad. So there are lots of uh, <clears throat> digital nomad Facebook groups, for example, where people who uh, have a home base in a city. So for example, somebody had a home base in Budapest uh, where they have a long-term lease on an apartment and they decide they want to go somewhere. They will oftentimes put that up as a sublet and you can pick that up. And again, Budapest is a very popular digital nomad location. So there's lots of these Facebook groups where you can find uh, some of these apartments and places that you can stay. And finally, the third place is, you know, the kind of the more common route is getting a long-term lease on an apartment or a house. Uh, so this would be, for example, you know, the person who is subletting their place in the second option. You'd be that person who actually owns uh, or rents out the place. And obviously the, the prices will go uh, you know, from high to low. So the highest would be Airbnb, and then the lowest you know, where you get the best prices is in like a long-term lease. Now, specifically, the uh, apartment that I found, um, and to share a little bit about what I think is a very good kind of place to base out of as a digital nomad, uh, I'm not a fan. I don't think it's sustainable like we were talking about. It's sustainability. I don't think it's sustainable for you to get one room, right, in, in some like bigger apartment. Uh, I just don't think long term it's something that works. It's fine if you're going somewhere for a week, but if you are an entrepreneur, if you're building a business and you're working, and you need a place that's comfortable for you. You need a place where you have some privacy. And so some of the things that I look for when I'm getting an Airbnb and that I looked at when coming up with this price was obviously <clears throat> a full place. I don't want to be sharing, uh, like, you know, I don't want to have a room in like a bigger apartment. Uh, it needs to have good Wi-Fi. I will very often reach out to the owner of the Airbnb and get them to send me a screenshot uh, of what the Wi-Fi tests at. It also needs to be in a good location. Um, I think that's really important, you know, so that you can actually enjoy the city. It doesn't make sense if you go to Budapest, but you get a place that's 35 minutes outside of the center and there's nothing going on. 
uh, and you just kind of hang out in your apartment. Uh, so those are kind of the main things that I look at. Uh, bonus points is, you know, if it looks like it's comfortable, you know, meaning like one of the things that I look for is a very comfortable bed so that I can get my beauty sleep, you know, to be comfortable, to get energy for the next day. In fact, when we were recently in Mexico, one of the first things that we purchased, Sarah and I were uh, new pillows because we're going to be there for two months and the pillows were not very comfortable. So we went and we bought pillows and that 30 bucks per pillow that we spent was like the best money ever spent. So those are some of the things that I look at. And with those in mind, I found an Airbnb that ran at $409 per month. So at, for $409, I could have gotten the, uh, this full Airbnb out. If I think I grabbed the picture of it, so I'll post it here in the video. Uh, that's a full place, comfortable in the center of the city in a nice location in Budapest. Now, one thing to keep in mind, uh, I did look at this while COVID is still going on, so demand will be lower, so you can expect that price to be a little bit higher. However, I do think that this is still a good price to go off of, because even if it's a little bit higher in Airbnb, the price might be lower if you do go the Digital Nomad Facebook group route. And it's more likely that you'll get uh, a price similar to this. Uh, again, this isn't balling out, this isn't like, some crazy nice apartment is just one that kind of matches the, the minimum requirements. Um, and another note in terms of rent, like I said, the $409 is a good thing to base it off of, so about 400 bucks. But something that actually Sarah and I do, and I think is a really good idea to do if you're a digital, no, digital nomad, is to establish a rent fund. So what we do with this rent fund is it allows us to capitalize on low rent locations and save up money for higher rent locations. So what I mean by that is that a place like Budapest might be pretty affordable. It could be $400, but what happens if you do wanna to go to a place like New York that's more expensive? Uh, you might be in a little bit of trouble because the rent there is way higher. So what we do is that we've decided that every month we're going to contribute $1,000 into a rent fund. So that's $500 from me and $500 from Sarah that goes into a rent fund. And that rent fund, it's every month, it's the same, it's at about $1,000. And then when we go to Budapest, the $400 comes out of that $1,000, but what we have is $600 left over that goes into a savings account. And the more time that we spend in low rent places, the more money that gets saved up in this rent account so that when we go to an expensive place like New York, right now we're in the US where rent is more expensive, we have money saved up without killing our regular budget, even if the per month kind of exceeds our regular budget. So I think that's a really great tip. It's something that has saved up a lot of headaches uh, and allowed us to capitalize on those low rent places. All right, now the second uh, sort of category is health insurance. And this might sound really weird, but if you're not uh, a citizen of a country that has you know, universal health care, this is something that's important. The longer that you travel, the more that you increase the chances of something happening to you and you getting injured abroad. And the last thing that you wanna worry about is how am I gonna pay for you know, the broken leg or surgery or whatever it is. So I, I do pay for health insurance. I do think it's something that's important in, again, if you wanna build a sustainable lifestyle that is long-term and not just something that you do for a few years, you do need to consider health insurance. You know, you might get sick and need to have continuous care and that is when you do need insurance. So there's lots of different insurance options uh, if you are from the US. The one that I did found, find and do some research on is 
from uh, Safety Wing and they have a plan called the Remote Health Plan, which is actually an international health insurance plan that gives you health insurance wherever you go. I think it covers most countries. There are some exceptions. And they also give you the option for an extra charge to be covered in the US as well. And so at that price, I did it. This is for me as a single person. I put in my information. This is what I got. For $287, I can be covered internationally and back home in the US. Uh, that does not cover like dental and vision. Um, and the reason why those aren't covered, I will mention later, but for $287, you're basically covered anywhere in the world if anything were to happen. And, I th and I'm not sure if that comes along with a travel insurance, which is also nice to have in case something gets stolen or you uh, miss a flight or you need to re you know, get a ticket or whatever. So $287 of for health insurance. All right, now the third category is a really fun one. It's travel. Obviously, digital nomadism and travel kind of go hand in hand. You can't be a digital nomad without also traveling. Uh, and I know it's something that we all enjoy. And so it's important to build in money into your budget for, again, a sustainable digital nomad lifestyle for travel. And the money, the amount of money that I've identified that goes into my budget every month for travel is $250. And here's why. For $250 in that amount, you can very likely cover any sort of travel that you do within one month. And by travel within a month, I literally mean just the transportation. It does not actually include any of the you know hotels or food or anything like that that you do during your travels, but literally just you know tickets and that sort of thing. So for $250, it's very likely that you can get a there and back ticket from a new location, uh, you know, or a train ticket, whatever it may be. But the real key here is that if you decide to not travel and sit back in three months, you know, if you're hanging out, for example, in Budapest, and you don't travel much outside of Budapest, you're just enjoying the city. In three months, you will have saved up $750. And that's a really important number because for $750, you can basically, if you do some research, get a ticket anywhere in the world. Sarah and I routinely fly from the US to Europe for under $750. And we've even flown from the US to Southeast Asia for under $750. So even though it may take a little bit more research than if you had a higher budget for a long distance flight, $750 can get you there. So that's why I contribute $250 to a monthly travel account because it is this magic number, I think, of the minimum viable amount of money that needs to be put every month towards, you know, hey, I'm traveling and enjoying a country or a few different countries, but if I'm not and I know that there's going to be a, a big uh, ticket expense coming up soon, I will save that money up and then you know I can buy that ticket. And this obviously does not factor in if you're a credit card wizard. So if you are American and you do a lot of credit card uh, points, you, you do the credit card game, Obviously, this isn't something that you need to worry about as much. It'd still be nice if you had a little bit of money going away, but that can certainly decrease. All right, so the next category is what I call a tech buffer, and I put away $100 a month for this. And the reason why I have a tech buffer is that as a digital nomad, you're only as good as your technology. I mean, you know, you need a laptop, you need a phone, you need all of this tech uh, in order to run your business. And if any of that goes kaput, if it breaks, if something shuts down, 
uh, you know, you, you don't have a business. You're not a digital nomad anymore. I experienced this last year actually where uh, I just woke up one morning, opened up my computer and it was dead. Nothing was turning on. It was just black. Uh, and I had to figure out right away, well, okay, I need to go get this fixed. I need to find out what's wrong with it. And worst case scenario, I'm gonna need to buy a new laptop, which is what ended up happening. And I didn't have money set aside for, you know, replacing a computer. And a computer can be several thousand dollars. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of, you know, when you use technology and you base your life around technology, eventually something's gonna break. It's not an if, it's a when kind of scenario. So why not prepare for it? And so what I do is, that, like I said, I put away $100 a month into this tech buffer and that covers anything that might break or if I need to upgrade a piece of my tech kit or I need to buy a new tech kit, for example, that's where that money goes. It essentially helps to prepare for that eventuality. And actually, the goal here that I shoot for is $3,000 in this tech buffer. Once that buffer of $3,000 is built up, that money can really go elsewhere uh, into, you know, maybe you can put a little bit of extra cash into your general spend, which is coming up, or into uh, another fund. And the reason why I've identified $3,000 is that looking at my own tech kit, the things that I own and that I run my business from, and having discussions with other friends that also uh, are digital nomads and run their businesses on the road is that it seems that $3,000 can mostly cover everybody's tech kit. It can mostly like if everything that I own were to just disappear, everything tech wise were to just disappear, $3,000 could replace it the next day. So that's why I've identified $3,000 uh, because it feels comfortable for me. Now, if you are somebody who uses a lot of tech, like if you're a photographer and you have five cameras, $3,000 is obviously not gonna cover it. So maybe you're gonna need to increase that uh, and maybe bump up this $100 to be something uh, a bit higher. All right, now the next category is a general buffer. And your general buffer, I put away $200 a month for this, as it, this is you know your minimum viable, like we said, to make it sustainable. And the reason why it's $200 is, and the, the reason why I have this buffer and what I use it for is something that I call my MVL, or my minimum viable lifestyle which is if you were to think about how much money do you need in order to support yourself, to put food on the table, to put a roof over your head and pay your bills, what is that number, right, every month? And what you wanna get to is six months of that minimum viable uh, lifestyle budget. Uh, this is something that Ramit Sethi talks about in his book, I Would Teach You To Be Rich. He's a phenomenal financial writer. Uh, I, I recommend that you go and check it out, but he does recommend to have six months of living expenses saved up. And so I've done the math for this for myself and I know that for $1,500 a month, I can live, you know, I can, uh, you know, I might not be living super well or, you know, might not be staying in the best places or whatever, but I know that me personally, I know that for $1,500 a month, I can take care of myself, uh, you know, I can pay the bills and that kind of stuff. Um, and so what I think, I think it's really important to build towards that uh, I think any less than $200, and it's just gonna take way too long to build up that number, $200 is sort of like the least that I'll be putting away towards that. You know, in 10 months, you're at $2,000 um, that can at least cover, you know, like a month of that minimum viable lifestyle cost. So this would obviously be better if it's higher, but as the least that you need in order for it to be sustainable, I put away $200 for that every month. and. 
the reason, again, when we were talking about health insurance, the reason why I didn't include dental in that is that if you're traveling dental and also, um, I believe vision, I don't really have to deal so much with vision myself, but from, you know, Sarah, uh, does and from her experience vision and dental are things that you can easily get taken care of in other countries um, You know if dental emergencies are not life-threatening if you were to chip a tooth or something like that You could feasibly fly to a country like Hungary actually that has very good dental programs and get it taken care of there and pull from this general buffer account uh, and cover that expense because it won't be as expensive as it would be in a country like the US and so this general buffer is where I do pull for these sorts of medical things. All right, now the final category is uh, kind of the most obvious one, and that is your general cost of living. And this is one of the ones that is really based on, you know, where are you, just like your rent. Uh, and I pulled this number straight from a website called Numbeo, which kind of covers um, different costs of living for different uh, cities around the world. And looking at the prices for a single person living in Budapest and taking out things like rent uh, and utilities, it came out to about $580. So what this website is saying is that for $580, that's about an average uh, cost for uh, living in Budapest for a single person. And in my experience, that's pretty standard. I would agree with that living in Budapest. And I think that is also very close to what I have as my, um, you know, my MVL uh, general cost of living sort of number, which is $600. And the reason why $600 is that number for me is that it's very, $600 is this amount of money that if you are living in a very affordable country, um, like a Bulgaria, like a Thailand, like in Bali or in, you know, other, some of these other countries, $600 can get you pretty far. You can live a very good lifestyle uh, on $600 a month. But if you go to a more expensive place like a New York, yes, you're not going to be going out to dinner every single night. And, um, you know, you, you might not have as much pocket cash, but $600 per month can cover your general cost of living. It can cover your groceries. You might not be shopping at Whole Foods. Um, but you can still pay your sort of general day-to-day -day, uh, lifestyle needs. You know, you can go out and have a coffee or whatever. Uh, and so that's why I think $600 is a really nice number to shoot for because it can cover you in both of those fluctuations. If you're living in a low-cost place, you can live a really high-quality lifestyle. And if you're in a more expensive place, you won't be living a high-quality lifestyle, but you'll be able to get by. And so um, that's the cost for general cost of living for $580 for Budapest and all of the different categories added up come out to a total cost of $1,826. So that's the number. If you want to become a digital nomad and you don't want to just get by and you want to know what the real number is, the, what the real minimum you know, number that you need in order to live a sustainable life as a digital nomad, not just in a cheap place, but anywhere around the world, including more expensive places. The number to shoot for is around $1,800. Um, and I agree with this. I think that, um, you know, for a very long time, I lived at around that amount when I was just getting started uh, and I was able to live both in the US and in other places. So again, those categories that I've identified are 
rent that comes in at around $400, health insurance, 287, travel, 250, again, because of that magic you know, quality of that number that times three at 750 and we can, and that can get you a ticket, um, for more long distance, <clears throat> a tech buffer for a hundred dollars to make sure that you're covered in case your tech breaks a general buffer for $200 that sort of covers anything else that might happen. And the goal is to have at least six months of uh, living expenses at your minimum viable lifestyle or your MVL. And then finally, your general cost of living at $580. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this video. I hope that you found it helpful. Uh, please like and subscribe. Seriously, I have videos coming out every single week on the topic of digital nomad, of the digital nomad lifestyle and online business. So subscribe if that is something that you're interested in. And yeah, all the best and stay safe and I'll see you in the next video.